0: this is the podcast with these people and then fade into the actual conversation we had.
1: We're definitely starting it with that now. This <laughs> yeah, is, the podcast. This is the
2: podcast. <laughs> We've done it. We've done it.
0: This is the conversation. This is the podcast with, with these people in this place. You're I'm watching, this listening.
1: People, places and things. That's a good Parks and reference. So Thank you.
3: Welcome to Unmuted Unmastered, I'm Will, and this is a show all about music. I am joined by James. Yep, hi, I'm James. Jess. What up? And Tom. Good day, friends. Speaking of Parks and Rec, and this is how, how I'll open the podcast, this is going to be the opening bit. Okay, come um, I I was on Amazon Prime yesterday, and you know it was it was reasonably late, I just needed some comfort food. So I looked for the office, and it, it said I had to buy it, and I was like, oh no. And then I looked for Parks and Rec, and it said I had to buy it, and I was like, I'm cancelling Amazon Prime. It's not worth anything to me anymore. Uh, luckily, it, it just hadn't logged me in properly, so, like, I do have access to those things. Yeah. It's hey. like, I can't just pay £90 a year for, like, just delivery. It like, seems like a waste. Like, get, getting, like, comfort food as well, it, it, you know, I can justify it.
1: I don't think I've ever bought food through Amazon.
3: I mean, the, the comfort food is
0: metaphorical, but... Oh. Yeah. There's not actual comfort food. I didn't think they did delivery just yet. That would be a very scary they, world. They do people... have
3: food. I have actually bought food through Amazon before. I bought um gummy snakes, like a kilo of gummy snakes for gummy a friend for Secret Santa.
1: Is that because you read one of those reviews?
3: What, a review of gummy snakes?
1: <laughs> There's like a, a, a sort of... Uh, James is laughing, I wonder if it's because he knows what I'm going to say, but like, there's, a no, review. No. <laughs> um, there's a review that someone left on one like that where they ate the entire pack and they were just basically describing how their stomach was so messed up for like days on end and how it was just hell on earth and <laughs> warning everybody to not ever eat like a kilo of gummy <laughs> snakes or gummy bears or whatever
2: it was. You probably say that for a lot of things. <laughs> Don't eat a kilo or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's valid.
2: No,
3: I hadn't seen that. <laughs> um, and I didn't buy them for her to eat all at once, if I'm honest. Did she? No, I, I don't think she ate them all at once, but.
1: I, I think you'd know, know about it if she not. did.
3: Yeah. I
0: mean, yeah, this
2: was in first be, year when we were in the She'd be posting halls, terrible so reviews on Amazon, barfing. that's why. She is the one posting the review.
0: <laughs> it was her all along.
2: I was looking at the
3: uh, the show plan. I was doing a bit of research in, in preparation. I, I did find a very funny review of um, one of McFly's albums. And the review was from, like, 2007 or something. Right. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it said. Was it good know. or bad? Oh, it was a very positive review. And it ended with, like, oh, and they're good looking too. And I was like, Oof. <laughs> This was some, and they gave them like a a four out of five, which, you
0: know. Nice. McFly is one of those artifacts, like you look back at them and and you just kind of go like, you know, everyone was so wild about them at the time. And you kind of look back and just like going, what on earth is going on here? What was the past like? Just like. You're offending Jess right now. That was just the 2000s, Oh no! But,
1: but yeah.
0: <laughs> let, me just say, let me just say, like, I, I love McFly and I love 2000s, but also, like, you know, because it is my childhood, but also you look back and it's just like, you know, just like, there's a lot of casual stuff going on here that probably wouldn't be acceptable now. <laughs> just.
1: It was weird because, like, you have sort of token pop bands or like ones that are kind of um, just like pushed forward into the mainstream of towards like teenage girls or whatever. It's like they're kind of they're kind of like pushed for that purpose, which is really odd. Not just on like fully on their own merit or anything, even if they've got talent. But it's like someone has to sort of fill that void, and it was busted, I guess. Um, I don't know. I I, I will defend them. The early stuff, I think it's pretty solid actually. Going back, because I maybe I've just got nostalgia glasses on because I will admit that the Wonderland tour was my first ever concert for my ninth birthday. I have still got the T-shirt somewhere.
0: That's legit. First, first concerts are important. I will accept that fully.
1: But I still think, even what like fifteen years later, um, I I still think it holds up to a surprising extent.
3: Are, are we set talking Wonderland or um, Room on the Third Floor?
1: Wonderland is the one I think is probably the best, or my favorite, anyway. And I think it's got a lot to be talked about because it's quite creative. For for a band like McFly anyway, but um, we can talk about room on the third floor as well.
3: It does kind of surprise me because when so you brought this up in the in the chat that we might talk about it, I did assume that it would be room on the third floor, partly because it's surf rock and I know that's something that you're quite fond of in general, Jess. It's true. <laughs> but I did I did go back and listen to some of the songs, and it I mean it falls into a lot of like common pop pitfalls where it's like. Incredibly cheesy at points, and a lot of the time, like if you're not a kid who hasn't heard who's like actually heard other music before, you're like, Oh right, they're just taking this from other places, but I do think it it does stand up quite well actually as a, as a fun pop album with some like catchy, reasonably well written songs
1: I think its biggest flaw is well a lot of their biggest flaw for all the albums is like just how cheesy they are. Um mm. I think that kind of does like put a bit of a damper on it. Um because but well, I think it's actually quite well written a lot of the time. Like surprisingly so. Um especially sort of when you Yeah, like I said, when you think about that they are just supposed to be the sort of the boy band of the time. Um yeah, I just think there's actually some quite decent songwriting. I guess the influences are really obvious, but then again they are good influences generally, so so that's nice. At least they're not um, ripping off something that's bad in the first place.
3: I mean, until they get to like collaborating with Teo Cruz at the, oh <laughs> at the tail do, end of their original We don't talk about
1: that side of things. <laughs> first four albums only. <laughs> this, this is a muse scenario where it's uh, early stuff only for me, please.
3: So that's up to and including radioactive, right?
1: Yeah. You seem to know your stuff as well, I'm I've
3: got to say. So McFly were also my first concert at Newmarket Nights. Hey. Um, I don't remember what what tour it was, but my sister was a huge fan, like when she was a child. Um, so yeah, I heard them a lot, and as a child, w- just like hated it because I was like, oh, I hear this all the time. <laughs> I'm sick of it." But like when the first album came out, I actually enjoyed it, and I asked my dad if I could get a copy. And he'd just received it in the post from, like, ordering it somewhere, so he, like, burnt me a copy of it.
1: Nice. Those are the days.
2: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, well, I had a Windows 98 computer
2: (laughs) with a CD burner in it. Oh my god, yes. (laughs) Those were the best days. Yeah, mine was XP. You got it worse than me.
3: Yeah, we had 98 and then we jumped up to Vista when we got broadband installed. This oh. was like when I was just starting secondary school.
2: <laughs> Did you have the um, AOL dial-in? Is that what it's called? We had that uh... dial-up. We had dial-up internet, but it, it wasn't AOL.
1: We had AOL. The little man going across the screen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was great.
2: Then the woman saying something about AOL. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I'd great. like,
1: yeah. I'd like boost myself up onto the big chair at my dad's desk and just be like, yes, let's go.
0: That's it. You're an adult. You're at the computer. This is what adults do. I do adult things. Just brilliant.
1: Yeah, I play pinball, play solitaire.
0: Yes, pinball, and it was a bowling game as well. I love the bowling game on like Windows XP. Oh my god. Anyway, like it is actually quite a legit point though, because we started this conversation with music, and like probably the best thing you could say about McFly, and probably the I I'd argue the best thing is that they are so of their time. Like I talk about McFly and then I talk about fricking I don't know Dick and Dom in the bungalow and I talk about like oh. the Saturday Show on CBBC and suddenly all these things start flooding back and it all comes as one. It's like this mesh of like I don't know. I I hope this is the same for like a lot of twenty somethings. Like it's just like this sort of mesh of memories that all come back at once and I kind of think that was a good time. Like you know, I I don't remember any of it at all. Uh, looking back, it seems a little bit odd, but also it was mine and it felt cool. So I, I, I'll I'll never actively listen to McFly, but like I'll occasionally revisit them and I'll have a real soft spot for them because they are so of their time.
1: That's just like the UK childhood. If you if you were like born in the late nineties, mm. mid to late.
0: Badger and Badger as well. Holy smokes, that was a good one.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's dredging up some old memories.
3: Out of interest, uh, what was everyone's like first experience with instant messaging? Because I I think first I had Windows Live Messenger,
2: but I feel like I might have been a bit late to it. Um, for me, it would have been MSN, I guess. And it was just like I didn't even message like people outside of my house. It was just like messaging my Sisters, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how because we only had one computer, so I don't know how that worked. But that's, that's what I remember at least. I don't you know. Like
3: leave them notes for later.
2: <laughs> yeah, because we like. I I I remember like playing um checkers or draughts or whatever you want to call it on MSN, and that was that was the time of my life. I loved that. And then if it were by myself, I'm playing pin pinball, just like you just said.
1: Mine was MSN too. Um. Yeah, I used to have it um, with a lot of my school friends or like the other kids that lived on this estate. Um, and I just remember causing hell with like emoticons. Because that's what they were called. It wasn't even emojis. I don't know if somehow yeah. it, like, it's like yeah, it gone emoticons. over to emoji. But they're,
0: they're of... the same
1: thing. And I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but you could put them on like a keyboard shortcut. Um, and they were so, there was like so many different ones. It wasn't just smiles and things. It was like letters and numbers that would sort of rotate and glitter and and little tiny yes. little gifs and um i basically and you can only get them when someone like sent one to you and then you could all sort of go right click and like save as a emoticon or something
3: yep this is all flooding
1: back <laughs> <through>. <laughs> and i saved like most of the alphabet or at least half of the alphabet as these little glittery emoticons and oh my god it must have been hell to read my messages to anyone because they were all just like spinning around like a sort of Times Square billboard like flashing (laughs) Um, it it must have been absolute hell to try and make sense of what I was saying assuming I was saying anything coherent anyway
0: this is really interesting because I don't don't remember any of this like I was I was a quiet kid anyway but like I I never really got into like the messaging side of it until like freaking I don't know probably when I joined like youtube or something like 2009 then i started to think okay now you start messaging people and now you start commenting on videos or whatever but like until then like i yeah this is like new to me it's one of those fables of just like being on aol messenger or like you know msn this is all really really interesting i'm curious now i'm really curious
2: i was i was one of those kids as well but like i said it was my siblings that kind of like showed me how to use this stuff Yeah. Have any of you
3: played Emily is Away?
2: I've heard of it. Uh, Oh, yeah, I was going to play it at one point, but yeah, I I do know what it's about.
1: I think I've heard of that, but not played it.
3: It, It's really good. So it's like a game that's based on, like, uh, AOL instant messaging. So, like, um, you're having, like, conversations with this girl, and you, like, choose which response you want to do, and then, like, the story plays out, like, in a chat menu over like a few years so it, like you have like one conversation and then it skips forward a year and yeah it, it's very good i'd recommend it it only takes like half an hour or something to finish
0: sounds cool the choices for profile pictures are generally collected from the cult- from the culture of the early to mid 2000s including 28 days later the ring harry potter lord of the rings blink 182 red hot chili peppers <laughs> mnm and avril lavigne on the first level Oh, good lord, that's brilliant. And also, this Sounds is a fantastic right. Wikipedia page. Can confirm my brother had a Red
2: Hot Chili Peppers uh, profile picture back in the day. <laughs> so it's accurate. Is that where you got the Chili Peppers love from, James? <laughs> yeah, that that is exactly. Like, I remember going to my brother's bedroom and he has like a massive stack of CDs. Well, not massive. Now I look at it, it's not massive, but <laughs> like a, a good stack of CDs and most CDs I've seen in my life. And, um, yeah, a lot of them like, Metallica, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and some Avril Lavigne. Okay. But, yeah. Some of Avril Lavigne's stuff is really
3: good. I, I will stand by that Girlfriend is, like, almost, I mean, it's produced pretty badly, but, like, the the way that the chorus builds and they add different, like, elements to it each time it comes around, mm. it works really well. Also, it was in uh, Burnout Paradise, which is a great game.
0: That does make it better. That does make it considerably better.
2: Exactly. <laughs> I was a Gran Turismo kid, I think. Is, is Burnout Paradise a, a car game, right?
0: <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is a car it, game. It's
2: very different than Gran Turismo. <laughs>
0: very different.
2: Is it
1: racing? I've not played yes. it. Yes.
0: Yes.
3: So, yeah, the whole thing with Burnout is that, like, you can take other cars down and it'll okay. like, cut away from your car and show you, like, a slow-mo version of their <laughs> car getting wrecked. That sounds amazing. And you get points and stuff. It so. was
0: gratuitous violence, but, like, there was never any blood. It was just, like, crunching metal. And that made it the best thing in the world. Like, you know, <laughs> I was one of those kids who watched F1 for the crashes. So that was, like, this, this was just, like, I don't know, chocolate cake for me. Like, all to myself. I could have the whole thing if I played Burnout Paradise. <laughs>
1: What was it on?
3: It's uh, on everything. There's a remastered yeah. version out now. No. ps PC, years ago. Uh, Xbox. Yeah, pretty much everything.
1: I played Simpsons Hit and Run. Does that count?
3: Oh, I played a bit of that as well. <laughs> yeah, count I that, guess that's more I like Crazy that. Taxi, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that was a great game. Another one of those ones were, I didn't actually have it myself, but I just played it at my friend's house all the time.
2: It does feel like games back in those days were better, but it's definitely the nostalgia, though. Like, if we went and played them again, they would be horrible.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure about that, though, because I have gone back and played like a couple of Need for Speed games, like Need for Speed Most Wanted and Need for Speed um, Carbon. By the way, both amazing soundtracks. Oh, my goodness, have you listened to them? But um, I have gone back, and they do actually hold up. They feel a bit clunky and yeah. a bit old, but also they feel awesome. That might be nostalgia doing that, but I don't care. It still feels great.
2: <laughs> Talking about games with um, good soundtracks, I... When I was younger I also played a lot of SSX and like Tony Hawks. And those soundtracks, like, they stay in my head mm. for the rest of my life. It's amazing.
3: Tony Hawks is Hawk great in
2: particular. Yeah. At <laughs>
3: the <laughs> same time. Yeah, I had um Pro Skater HD on the 360, which everyone hates, but like I just love it. Like it it, it runs at 30 frames a second <laughs> on 360, which is terrible for an action game. But, you know, I've got it on PC now and I've modded it to properly work. And, like, the soundtrack's so good. Yeah, definitely.
0: It's a legit point, actually. Like, soundtracks are so... Looking back, they're so important to, like, my sort of growth as a, as a music listener. Like, even, like, finding my favourite bands. Like, Elbow had, like, um, uh, Grants for Divorce. That was on the soundtrack for Driver San Francisco. And I just knew it was like this rock song that worked nicely over like montages of cars drifting. And all of a sudden I found my favorite band in the world who like basically put poetry to like, you know, musical scores. And it was amazing. I wouldn't have found it unless I played that video game. And I could put like, uh I don't know, the tune to the name. And I go, oh yeah, that's that song. And then suddenly I found them. Just like, I, it was really, really important. That's one thing I love to do. Like, if I ever had a successful music career, I'd love to get some stuff, like, on some big video games and think, well, maybe I'll set someone off on their own journey.
1: It's funny how you have, like, odd influences like that. But it's definitely a sort of butterfly effect, isn't it? When you hear, like, one song in a a shop Mm. or something. Oh,
0: absolutely. And
1: that, like, affects your entire musical taste Mm. for decades.
3: Yeah, it's so weird to think back to that, because I feel like I don't get that so much anymore. Like, every so often in, like, a movie or something, I'll hear a song, but I don't get those, like, revelatory moments that, you know, I might have when I was a teenager and you'd watch some, like, sitcom or, like, some rom-com movie or something, and there's, like, some indie band that they've managed to get cheaply to do a song or whatever, and you're like, oh, like, you know, I'd never heard The National before, and now, like, The National are everything to me. like. I don't know maybe I'm just old and jaded but I don't really get those moments so much.
0: I would also argue Shazam has made it. I don't think it's take, necessarily taking the magic out of it but like we get instant gratification. Like whereas that song might be it might have been like on my head for like 6 months when I was like 12 suddenly I go what's that song that's that's really bugging me and then I'll hear it next time it's just like, ah missed it and then next time I'll get it on the Shazam and it's like a 2 week cycle and it feels great but also I've lost a bit of the satisfaction of having that. I don't know that struggle to find it. I don't know. It, it, I, I, f- think, I think like things like that have really helped, though. To be fair, Ayusha's I used to. I think I can relate to that so a bit. much. Um,
2: like going back to Tony Hawk's, like the the first time I heard um, Ace of Space was on that game, and I have never realized how like big of a mm. song it was, and I, like it was Motorhead, so as big of a band they were. Like it's only like. Probably like ten, five, years, five or ten years later, I realised that, oh, this is actually a massive song. But I've related it back to Tony Holt all the time. Like, it's so nostalgic. Do you think that, like,
3: streaming has also taken some of the excitement out of it? Because I think, like, when I was younger, you know, you hear a song and then, you know, you'd think about it and you'd listen to it on YouTube and you'd wait for, you know, a few weeks until you have, like, pocket money or whatever to be able to buy the album. And like now, there's not that kind of anticipation and that excitement in quite the same way.
1: Probably, yeah, because it's just a lot more easy to get hold of, you know, the music.
0: I think definitely. Well, I, I mean, I said like instant gratification for like Shazam. I think it's probably the same thing for like Spotify as well. Like, if you know the name of it, then um, you know you can very easily find it. You know, which you wouldn't have necessarily been able to do. Again, like when we were growing up, but also what happens with Spotify now is that I'm finding a lot of artists that I wouldn't find otherwise. Like whereas I don't know, like when I was a kid, music had to be on the telly to be of vague interest to me, and that was about it. Like even stuff on the radio just sort of existed, and I wasn't really that I wasn't really that bothered. I think now it's a lot easier to get lost and just find loads of new stuff straight away. But again, maybe that's the same thing. You're just trying to find more and more stuff to, like... I don't know. Fix that craving? I don't know. Yeah, it's a really good question, though. It's definitely changed. Whether it's better or worse, I don't know. I think... Certainly for a lot of bands like 10 years ago, I've got a much deeper relationship with them than I do a lot of acts now. Because I had... I don't know. That journey to find them? That journey to discover them? I don't know what other people think, but maybe... Maybe that's just something that people do, like the first you get your first loves and you sort of keep them forever, or maybe that's just because I found them in a slightly different way.
3: I mean, there are studies that say that most people's music taste gets set when they're at like thirteen or fourteen years old, and that's just what it is forever, yeah, I feel like within our group, maybe that's a bit different where you know we've we've all branched out and
2: found new stuff, but in general, yeah, yeah, I feel like kind of agreeing with will really is that music nowadays um it kind of gets digested quicker so you might find a good song and you listen to some of the artists albums and then you might just like go off them and maybe visit them again sometime later but then when you were a kid you'd listen to a song you'd save up your money or whatever and get that album then you're kiss- you're You'll keep listening to that album because you paid money for it and it's like, it's yours, you know? And, and you've got nothing else. Exactly. That might be the only album you have. So like, maybe you'll get one next year.
1: You've got a long car journey or something. And a, and a pile of CDs.
2: And a Discman.
1: You're going camping.
2: You just brought like a massive like nostalgia moment, Jess. Oh my word. I was like <laughs> listening to a Wolf Mother CD on like on every trip on, in the car. Oh, I love it.
1: Yeah, I'd say uh, regarding how music consumption I guess has changed. Um, it probably still happens on a similar level in some ways. I mean, like we said, necessity before would kind of force you to listen to the same things more and more and probably be more into them because of that. But nowadays I feel like I still have I still have like cool connections to songs or still find things on adverts or on the radio or in a shop or something. But I also find music other ways too. Um so it's just kind of like filled out. Like the rest of my time is filled out of other music and it kind of feels like those events happen less frequently even though they probably, it, yeah, it probably still happen quite a lot. I still find corny cool music and really connect with things and have like obsessions. But it just, yeah, because I have lots of other things as well going on at the same time, it doesn't seem like a, as big an event. But I'd rather have it as it is nowadays. Like I'd rather have access to so much more music even if it sometimes feels a little bit more watered down i guess
2: it helps other artists as well um artists that are up and coming really like we're exposed to more more music and i mean that can only be a good thing really so like yeah artists get more exposure really
0: it's a good thing well even on that point here's a question then okay if we feel like a certain way about like i don't know uh, McFly, or like I don't know, Linkin Park for me. I feel really, really nostalgic about Linkin Park, but like those others we had in our teens. I wonder if teens and tweens these days are gonna feel the same way about like, I don't know, Dua Leaper or like, or like the one who did Super Lonely. I can't remember. I wonder if they're gonna remember these songs from like back in the day on like TikTok. Like, this is like way in the future when we're like, you know, old and gray and everything else but i wonder how they're going to look back on the music they're consuming now maybe they'll feel the same maybe they won't
1: i'm sure they'll feel very similarly to us i think every generation has it's like it's childhood nostalgia it's going to be a bit different like you said of tiktok and things and more sort of things going viral it's going to be a different experience but they'll have it and i wonder if i bet you'll see like bts being one of these nostalgic boy bands i reckon that's like almost a modern day mcfly in a weird sense
3: And we do cherry pick, right? Like, we talk about McFly and Busted and stuff, but we don't mention, you know, Lil' Chris or whoever that, you know, had one hit and then went away. Um, Whereas, you know, the kids who start thinking back in years' time might be talking about the 1975 and bands like that who are writing stuff that's maybe a bit more substantive than some of the bigger pop stars in the world.
1: You know? Yeah, you've always got that... That sort of filter of time, meaning that everything else, everything that's not very good, kind of gets left behind, which is why people look back at the past and think it's better, but it's actually just because they've they've got rid of all the bad stuff. There was music (laughs) that sucked in the '70s as well, but we just didn't listen to it anymore.
3: (laughs) So we've been talking about soundtracks. We've got one of our talking points for this week that we brought up earlier in the week. I don't know if people have had a think about this. Is we were talking about the Shrek soundtrack somehow. Jess, I think you
0: might have brought I don't remember. Um oh, <laughs> But we <yeah>. were <laughs> I think it was me, wasn't it, wasn't it? Or did we both yeah. do? I can't remember.
1: I think we were talking about Bare Naked Ladies, and I said yes, that one yes, week sounded right, like it should right. be on the Shrek soundtrack.
0: Yeah, why did we mention that? We were talking about like well, exactly this, like nineties rock music basically, nineties indie. And then Yeah, should Bare Naked Ladies have been on the Shrek soundtrack and actually Well, that just turned into a wide discussion about the Shrek soundtrack. I can't remember if we had a a specific Uh, discussion point. Could have been
3: on the Shrek soundtrack, but weren't. Is the discussion point for this week?
1: I guess like bonus points if you can match it with a scene from the film. (laughs) If you can be that specific. Yes, I haven't
3: seen these films in (laughs) years and years. I (laughs) I I looked. That's
1: your loss.
3: (laughs) I guess. Yeah, I looked through the soundtracks, and uh, so I made a list of songs first. And then I looked through the soundtracks, okay. and one of them had already been taken. And really? that song was Barracuda by Heart, which I think this is in is the nice. third one. So, what's that? What else is on your list? Uh, other songs on my list: the one that I brought up earlier in the week, uh, Two Princes by Spin Doctors. I feel like it just fits so well, wouldn't it? Like it's that nineties alternative sound. And the other one I got is Listen to Your Heart by Roxette. Mm. Nice. I feel like it's like the you know the ballad moment where someone's you know Fiona's thinking about the, oh I actually do love Shrek or whatever. I don't remember these
1: movies that one could have <laughs> fit in that's pretty much what happens.
0: Stanley Field I don't know if um I don't think Bon Jovi was in any any of the films were they for uh, music wise. I think oh, Living on a Prayer was on. I mean, if it is, good choice, but also, like, Bed of Roses is the ultimate ballad, so I may challenge you on that ballad point, so...
3: I mean, literally any Bon Jovi song, I think, would probably fit in uh, quite well,
0: actually, it? Dead or alive. To be fair, it probably would work, actually, in the second film.
1: I think the fourth one could have worked as well on some points. Jess, you're supposed to be the one who
3: knows what's happening in the Shrek movies.
1: <laughs> I've seen one and two recently. Not the others as much. Um, but, yeah, I try and remember.
2: No, I don't have... I don't think I have many, or any, <laughs> to contribute here. I keep trying to think of some, but the friend friend's um, theme tune keeps getting stuck in my head <laughs> for some reason. I don't know if it sounds oh, like absolutely. a song from Shrek Surely or it is. I mean, yeah...
1: Did you say the Friends theme tune? The problem yeah. with a the
0: Friends theme tune is that it was kind of in like another big thing so people I might have gone, that. oh that's a Friends theme tune rather than oh that's the song from Shrek but that would be quite the battle actually which would you remember more <laughs> but... I'm just having a quick scan through now
1: Yeah, it'd be one of those things of like um... oh what is the other one? Oh, it's um... On... is it called On My Way? By rusted root, I have like there's an argument I've had between people arguing what song, what film that is definitively from, um, the, and the contenders are Ice Age and Matilda. A I think
0: on the Shrek soundtrack, and it, like, or maybe it was another one. That was, I mean, to be fair, oh, yeah. I always remember that Shrek. That's always when Shrek and Donkey are walking off to the castle to go and save Fiona in the first film. That's yeah, the song good from scene. the pancake scene in Matilda, right?
1: I, I'm not
3: sure. I haven't actually seen the movie, but, like, my girlfriend puts it on whenever we make pancakes, <laughs> and I'm like, I,
2: I so don't know this. Do you even know if there's a pancake scene? The pancakes. I don't understand the
3: reference. <laughs> the lyrics have nothing to do with pancakes, so.
1: I think yeah. she, like, she does cooking and stuff, so. Yeah, I think she might. Maybe she makes it for a teacher or something. Oh, "Send
0: think. Me on My Way." It's it's a different song. It's a That's what I mean. Song.
1: "Send Me on My Way." Yeah, I, I do not know what I it's think, called. I think
0: there's "I'm on My Way," which is which is from the Proclaimers. That's on the Shrek soundtrack.
1: They're both great. Very different songs.
0: I've I've legitimately put the Proclaimers on my like road trip soundtrack because like have you listened to it? It's a great song. But no, I don't know this one. I legitimately don't know this one.
1: I'm sure you will know it. Like you might not know the title or the um, artist. I mean, it's po- one of those sort of one-hit wonder things. I'll play it
0: as soon as I stop, and then I'll probably miss you, you probably and go, are. "Oh my god, yes, I remember this so vividly."
1: So I actually did think of another one, um, other than just one week for the Shrek soundtrack. But I'm so the song I'm thinking of is Centerfold by Oh, I looked up the Jay Giles Band. Never heard of them. of this song, and um, but I was. So I heard it on the radio, and I thought it was in *A Knight's Tale*. Has anyone seen that? No. With Heath Ledger. It's kind of a similar vibe. Like it's, it's, it was before *Shrek*, but you can kind of imagine that *Shrek* was influenced by it. And I, don't, I can't believe we're talking about influences of *Shrek* now. But um, anyway, I was absolutely convinced that it was in that film instead. So I was like, "Oh, you can't use it in *Shrek*." But apparently, it, it wasn't. Or googling it, I can't find any evidence that it was ever in that film. So um, I don't know what's going on. I'm having like a weird sort of. I don't know if you can call it a Mandela effect, if it's just me, but um, either way, I was convinced it's in that film, but apparently not. Um, centerfold, yeah, I would go for that in Trek. I think that would suit pretty well. It's got the um, it's got the sort of jokey vibe, and the actual like the actual sort of backing sounds that the instruments would very much fit in with like the medieval theme. That's why I'm convinced it's from Night's Tale. I don't know what's happened. I'm lost in the matrix somewhere
3: can't see the ones and zeros anymore you're just <laughs> lost to
2: it
1: um we, we've clearly moved into an alternate timeline where it wasn't in a night's tale. <laughs> go and watch that film as well if you if you want something fun
3: on that bombshell uh, we are going to take a break, but when we come back we're going to talk about what we've been listening to this week and we're going to talk about what's coming out in the next week, so stay tuned for that <laughs>
1: A Night's Tale was actually released in August 2001, and Shrek was released in June 2001. So I was wrong in saying that Night's Tale came out first.
3: I guess it was like a... And just
1: apparently 2001 was just a fun time.
3: I guess it was like one of those times when, you know, like two really similar movies come out like right next to each other.
1: I love that that implies that like Night's Tale, if anything, would be the one that ripped off Shrek. Mm. That's just a funny thought. <laughs> I mean, I guess they
3: were in production at the same time, so... No,
1: I know. Yeah. yeah, in reality, it's perfectly legit, but both classics. It's, okay, if anyone has actually seen it, it's, it's very similar, and it has got a soundtrack that's like modern pop songs in medieval times, and it works really well. Just a, just a
3: cool era. Right, let's move on to what we've been listening to this week. Jess, do you want to start us off?
1: Sure. Um my listen this week has been Pieces of a Man by Gil Scott-Heron. Um I really enjoyed this album. It's it's great. It's from uh sorry, it's from 1971. Um it's it's really you can tell it's a really influential album, which is really exciting. So it's um it's sort of R&B soul um that kind of mix. You can see like the big influence of some jazz, which is it's cool because it kind of makes a nice stepping stone between like jazz and hip hop that's more modern because he speaks in quite a. Uh, yeah, there's like one spoken word track and apparently he does a lot of spoken word stuff as well as a poet, really. Um, and then he sings on the rest of it, but he's got a sort of very straightforward voice. It's not like a fancy. It's, you know, it's, just, it's quite like plain in a way, but really nice because of it. It's just it's a great voice. And yeah, he has like the sort of bass lines of or like the sound of the bass from jazz in the fifties and sixties. Um, but then going forward into this straight delivery that kind of flows well into hip hop and it's quite um felt like sort of social issues and political lyrics sometimes, which is very I don't know, it's quite interesting. It's quite hard to relate to because it's well I'm not the sort of person who's, who's intended for it at all, so it's um, you've got to like kind of try and put yourself in the mindset and like the era to really appreciate it for what it is. I think, which I tried to do. Um, the revolution will not be telefi- televised was a um, one of the sort of, most famous songs from it, and that's really interesting. That's a spoken word one. Um, it's kind of like a criticism of the media, I think, and about sort of race inequality in the US. Um, but the the lyrics are great. Really um I don't know, great stories to them, I mean he's a poet, like as I said, so it sort of stems from that, I guess, but it's just even forgetting all the um themes as well and all the lyrics, it's just a great album to listen to on the completely sort of shallow side it's just it sounds really nice, it varies quite a lot from quite upbeat to um more quiet and soulful and ballads um yeah, and you can easily see like its place in history quite it's quite obvious, I think, to see where it came from and where music went after that so can definitely recommend it
3: it's really interesting i've actually put some thought into it <laughs> i've heard um that track that you mentioned the revolution will not be televised like sampled and referenced a bunch in various things but i've never actually heard like where it's from
1: yeah it's really cool i really enjoyed it
3: tom got anything for us this week
0: I do have something for you. Uh, I have Boombox Eternal by Sam Sparrow. Well, his name is Sam Sparrow, but he doesn't put W on the end. You probably know him from uh, Black and Gold, back in 2008, Uh, on the subject of of nostalgic back-in-my-day singles. Yeah, that was his um, track. But Boombox Eternal, he released, I think it was actually a year ago today, but I was recommended it by a mate recently, and... Oh, good grief. It's absolutely spectacular. Um, third album after, I think, actually quite a break from making music. Let me check his discography. So he released an album in 2008, 2012, and then 2020. So, yes, an eight year break. And I mean, God blind me, he's been uh, cooking this one for a while. But it's actually a really, really good album. Lots and lots of um, nostalgia, vibes, slightly simp wavy. Um, it feels very much like like you know, that trendy '80s '90s kickback which is happening at the moment. Um, there are some dance influences in there. There are some funk influences in there. Really, really cool album. And it's also, I don't know if I mentioned this like on the record, but I've definitely mentioned to you guys like I hate it when it's, uh albums are just twelve tracks and they don't do anything uh varied and they don't do anything with their structure or their form. He does do. Nothing like ridiculous or amazing, like there are no like soundscapes or anything like that, but there are like little interludes, and there are like things like you know I don't know it sounds a little bit cliche, but there are things like you know telephone voices and things like that in there which are a little bit overused, but I think it's used really really nicely here um yeah spectacular spectacular album ten out uh, would be a ten out of ten, but it is in fact a nine out of ten because he has a very silly mustache, which I honestly think he needs to get rid of, but also <laughs> his life choice, so I can't do much about that. Uh yeah, Boombox Eternal, Sam Sparrow, go have a listen.
3: That's a strong recommend. James, have you got anything for us this week?
2: Yeah, this week I've been listening to a classic. Um, at least for me, um, Grace by Jeff Buckley. Mm. Um, what an album! I yeah, I adore this album. Like, I was listening back to it on like these headphones, which I guess are a bit better than ones I've had previously, and it's just like sounds so silky like i think that's the best way i can describe it it's like a, the sounds so silky and like the reverb is amazing and i like um like a lot of the songs are not even originals from him um like hallelujah and i hate to go back to like the shrek reference but um yeah I, that song is, is like so beautiful to me and like that's why i started listening I listened to the album again this week because I was actually watching a video about um, how the reverb, reverb was created. So, um, on the guitar at least, um, there's a medium reverb and then there's a long one to have like this massive soundscape. And apparently I used it in recording a lot, which I didn't know. Um, but yeah, that's why it sounds so amazing. And there's not one song on there that which I can't recognise or
0: like... Yeah, it's yeah, I love it. it. Um I think I've seen a video, haven't I? It was on um, uh Andy Wallace, wasn't it? it? Because he literally went through like every single track that was like recorded for the album and like I can't remember. There were like two guitars, two short reverbs, two long reverbs, and he just like blended them all together and it was just like yeah, I I think I've also seen that and that was just amazing. I could also talk for hours about Jeff Buckley, but not today. Maybe another yeah, time. same. <laughs> I guess it's a very,
3: like, 80s thing. That album came out in the 80s, right? I'm not going crazy. Oh no, 90,
0: uh, uh, 94? 94,
3: okay. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, like, it, it's, it's quite a, an 80s, like, uh, production technique, like having a shorter reverb and then having the, the longer stuff underneath because it, it kind of, like, mirrors the whole, like, um, gating a reverb on drums and stuff like that. That mm, so it was it's, very it's, trendy it's... and then not trendy at all.
0: Yeah, it's not so much gated as it is more of a shimmer. Like, it's really, really um, high-pitched, really jangly. Like, it's not... It doesn't feel like it's room as much as it's, like... I don't know. It feels like you're almost in the sky. You know, they, people talk about Shimmer either, but They talk a lot about, like, skyscapes and, you know, being up. Oh, we're in the clouds. And it feels really dreamy like that. It, it's a really, really cool album. But I think it makes it like Andy Wallace. You listen to Grace, and then you listen back to, like, um, Linkin Park on Blink-182, and there's actually a lot of similarities in how they're mixed because he had like a lot of quirks in how he mixed like the drums. So if you listen to like the kick and the snare and like uh, Linkin Park and then Blink One Eighty Two and then Jeff Buckley, it's lit. It literally sounds the same. It literally sounds exactly the same. Like maybe not like the whole arrangement on top of it, but like specific parts of the drum kit sound exactly alike. And it's 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 weird, but um, yeah um if you love grace as well uh, sketches for my sweetheart the drunk uh, was his second album that was released after his death um it's not perfect but good god there's some spectacular stuff on there it would never be as good as grace but yeah really really good collection of songs what about you
1: will what have you been listening to
3: uh, so this week I listened to New Fragility by Clap Your Hands Say Yeah. They're a band that started out in the noughties. They were one of the first bands to like really make it big through the internet. So they released their debut album completely independently on their own, and they they got really big. There are some funny stories from around that time about the band where they were supporting The National when The National were touring for Alligator, and like huge crowds would turn up, see Clap Your Hands Say Yeah, and then just leave and not bother to <laughs> see The National. Which is one really harsh, especially considering the National are a really good band and would go on to be, you know, huge and massively overshadowed. clap your hands, say, yeah. Also, it's just like, you know, watch the other acts, like. Exactly,
0: man. You made it to the gig. You've seen who you want, but like, stick around, like, you know.
3: It's even worse than the people who don't turn up in time for the, the openers, because I always turn up and, because, you know, you want to see what they've done and like, you don't want like people to come out and play to no crowd but like you're already there you know just like you know if you don't care about the national just have a few drinks and try and enjoy it like anyway we're getting off topic um so yeah his new album new fragilities out uh came out last week um it's his second as a solo artist a few albums back he kind of discharged the rest of the band um on this one he takes quite a different approach obviously he has quite a distinctive voice and singing pattern on this one he takes in more of like an early noughties indie rock direction so i'm thinking like bands like Grandaddy and kind of wilco in some ways so it's those kinds of influences going into it which is quite interesting because it's kind of a scene that he wasn't really a part of but he was also big at that time um i think some of the songs really stand out as being like great and standing up there with some of uh, the band's best and then overall the album doesn't really like land in quite the same way i think because their debut album is so good and it's like punchy like kind of dance punk influence stuff and it's all like super catchy anything else they do is always going to kind of be overshadowed by it But on, on this one they do kind of at least on like the two opening tracks that kind of lead into one another. They do manage to get like really catchy hooks in a different way, though, that kind of makes it work for me. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend checking it out if you're interested in kind of like
1: noughties indie rock type stuff. Um, but otherwise it's not like an essential listen, I wouldn't say.
3: Also, has anyone listened to Who Am I by Pale Waves?
1: this is where you say (laughs) yep hang
2: on can't say i have well
1: cool uh
3: i thought i could do a quick review of it because we need that seo we can put in the the episode name and then you know we're getting all of the young cool 14 year olds listening to the show go ahead okay um, so I listened to Who Am I by Pale Waves this week, as no one else did. That's fine. Oops. I thought it was a really fun pop album, actually. So it's their sophomore record. Uh, it's coming out through, um, Dirty Hit. That's the name of the label, right? The 1975's, like, amalgamation with, uh... They released, a uh, Beaver Doobie's album last year that was pretty hey. good as well.
0: Yeah, it's Dirty Hit. Just looked it up, it's Dirty Hit.
3: Yep. Um... So on this one, kind of going back to the noughties nostalgia that we were talking about earlier, so on their first album and their EPs previously, they'd kind of been a synth-pop band. Here they decide to take quite a hard turn into being like Al- Avril Lavigne cosplay, and doing that like really poppy pop-punk from the early naughties. Which, I guess like naughty's nostalgia is coming in now, which is like, you know, it's our time, guys. We're we're coming back into being cool. In general, I think actually it works a lot better than I was expecting. Um, I think like some of these tracks I'd maybe put onto playlists if I was allowed to have parties and make playlists for them at the moment. Like they are really catchy. Um, Yeah, it's been clearly influenced by like Avril Lavigne, Kelly Clarkson, those kind of artists. They still do have a few elements of their synth pop sound in there, particularly in the production in general, where the drums are big and punchy. A lot of the time, the guitars are played and produced to sound kind of like synths. So they'll have like a chugging guitar, but it'll kind of have that edge where you it kind of makes your brain think it's like an art uh synthesizer d- doing like a bass line or something. Um. They do actually manage to pull off one of the slower tracks uh Wish you were here I think is quite good, although the title track which closes the album is kind of dreary and dull, which is kind of disappointing to like end it in that way um I'd say the standout track is easy where they go a bit harder into the synth pop sound and it does have like a big synth bass line in the chorus and it it kind of builds up and like uh presents the sound in like a a denser way than a lot of the other tracks do um there are like occasional points where i think it it falls flat uh she's my religion in particular in the chorus of that song the way that the lyrics are written just isn't how people talk anymore like if you think back to the noughties like you listen to some of those songs and you're like if you listen to what the lyrics actually are and kind of try and put nostalgia aside like it was of the time but it makes sense in that context when that comes up into a song now it's like i, I don't think that really works anymore um and yeah overall there are lots of moments there are quite a few moments like that where the hooks are a bit simple it's a bit lacking in some of the lyrics and stuff like that but overall it's a fun pop album and i would recommend listening to it if you have an interest in mainstream pop music.
1: Nice, I just had a quick look on on Spotify, I just had a look at the album cover and gosh, yeah, I see what you mean. I would not have pegged anything on that artist page as being from 2021. Mm.
3: No, it is very like a high school band with their Doc Martens and baggy sweatshirts and stuff. Oh yeah,
1: and that that sort of blurred effect on the cover looks like an Oasis album.
3: I mean, it's, like, straight from Avril Lavigne's debut, right? They have that same, like, weird motion blur (laughs) on it.
0: I I legitimately looked at this and just thought, is that a stock image? Is this, like, Avril Lavigne from, like, back in the day? I I genuinely thought that for a second, and then I thought, okay, maybe this is actually... It is actually a really fair point, though, because, like, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, like, how that goes, because if this is, like, a new wave of things coming in, we've been talking about it all along, like, this sort of, like, I don't know, new nostalgia that's coming in. Like, you know, does that mean music's going to imitate it? It's just like, this is getting very postmodern. if music is trying to imitate the past again.
1: There's been a lot right now, and it is is kind of weird to... I don't know if there's always been this much, and I just haven't noticed it before. But it's kind of odd how yeah, there's a massive focus on recreating the past rather than coming out of new things, which I guess, like, could be a bad thing, but I feel like I'm probably just sort of overreacting and there probably there's actually a lot of cool new stuff. It maybe just hasn't been picked up on as much at the moment. You probably I think to played. an
3: extent that's how it's always been, though, isn't
2: mm-hmm. it?
3: You just don't know at the time because, you know, you're a kid and you don't have the points of reference, but, you know, there's some new stuff and that'll get taken on and later on people think, oh, the new stuff is just ripping off what happened in the 2020s and not really think about, oh, well, lots of the stuff then was just ripping off what came before.
1: Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I guess the things I'm particularly thinking of is like Dua Lipa and The weekend and that sort of thing or being really highly acclaimed and being pretty good actually. Um, but having like big influences in the 80s and things. But I suppose something that's mm-hmm. like going, that's more futuristic or like, you know, a new sound is maybe a sort of like bedroom pop or dream pop or some of the rapping as well. Like is the sort of new internet age of uh, new stuff like that.
0: Yeah. I think even more than that, there is, like, I don't know, you could get really philosophical about this, and maybe this is a conversation for, a, like, another time, but, like, I feel like people, like, minimalism is really in, trying to, like, simplify your life and how you live, and, you know, oh, you know, I don't keep many things with me, which, to be fair, I don't, I've got my clothes, my guitars, and that's about it, I try and avoid other things, I just don't want the baggage, um, but more than that, it feels as though people are looking for um, simplicity in their life. There are a lot of, like, I studied marketing. There are a lot of trends at the moment for like, simplicity and making things easy. And also, um, I don't know, hearkening back to good old timey values. You see it happen in a lot of different ways. But, yeah, it, it's really interesting that music is now starting to reflect that as well. But also, like, you mentioned Dua Lipa. The first track on her her album is literally called Future Nostalgia. The album's called Future Nostalgia. Like, we're entering this really weird phase where people, I don't know, kind of entering this sort of fantasy land. And you look back maybe, like, a few years ago, maybe this is just me, like, cherry-picking and deciding, you know, oh, it was different back then. But also, I seem to remember a lot of songs from, like, five, ten years ago that were very much about the moment and were very much about, I don't know... um. Even very serious subjects like, you know, How to Save a Life by The Fray. That's a very serious song and a very, very deep in-the-moment, Uh, I don't know, song about suffering? I and mean, we just don't really get that anymore. Everyone's escaping and everybody's in these sort of like, you know, uh, lands of blinding lights and, you know, just like all of these really synth poppy, otherworldly songs. Maybe it's just a trend. Maybe it's just because people think that's cool. But I wonder if that's just a bigger reflection of how people are thinking
2: and that's the thing though right is that you go see a movie to escape to a different world and i guess that's what people are doing with music i think definitely sometimes reflecting on the real world is really important in the music and voicing kind of your opinion almost and saying how it is in the real world is is really good but i guess sometimes it is good to have something that people can escape with and find the kind of a happy place in like troublesome times.
1: Yeah, right now, I guess it's more kind of important than it may have been for quite a while. Probably why Mm. there's a bit more of an emphasis on it, at least.
3: Cool. Shall we have a look forward now to what's coming out in the coming week? So obviously new music comes out on Fridays, if you're unaware. So this will be Friday the 26th of February. Last Friday of February. Everyone excited for February to end? <laughs>
0: I'm
3: quite yes. excited for
0: things to just be over now. I just, I, just, I just want a bit more sun outside the window. I'm not gonna lie. I need I need some more sunshine in my life. Um.
3: So let's go through what's coming out. There's quite a bit coming out next week that I'm quite excited about. I don't know if anyone else has anything they want to add to my list. But Line first off, up, we've got, got New King Gizzard and the Lizard mm. Wizard their album LW, which is like the kind of paired album with KG that came out last year. Um, I'm quite excited for it. The first single one that came out on it, I thought was really cool. And it, it kind of has like a I, I don't think the term is like great to use, but like world music feel to it. Like this is going to be incredibly white. When I heard it, I thought of, like, Yaysayer's debut album, which are another, like, white band that took influence (laughs) from, like, you know, artists from Mm. other cultures. And, yeah, now my mind is linking those two up as... Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm not, like, a huge King Gizzard fan, but this is definitely one I'm going to check out. I don't know if anyone else is interested in it
1: particularly. Yeah, I'll have a look. I like how they always do something quite different. Um, And they kind of really go all into whatever thing they're trying. Which I appreciate, even if it doesn't always land. But like they give it a really solid shot and they give it a good attempt and commit to it. So it'll be fun to see where they go this time. When was their last album? Like is it just last year?
3: Like May. That's actually a long time for them. I mean, it's intimidating. (laughs) Well, actually, no. That was their last new album because they released another one in December. That was like they recorded it before their actual debut album, and they've just like pushed it out. Oh, that's cool. Fresh, So yeah, it hasn't been that long (laughs) at all But in terms of writing Yeah, it's so intimidating to try and get into King Gizzard Because it's just like You just look at the wall of albums and you're like Oh, they've been around since the 80s No, it's been like since like 2012 or something
0: How many albums do they make? There's like one, two, three from 2020 One of them's a live album 2019, there's two 2017, there's one, two, three, four Five albums Good lord, how much do they write? Yeah, you better get into it now, Tom. Uh, respect? Yeah, I know. Where do I start? <laughs> That's a good question. Maybe with this new one next week we yeah. can talk about it. Okay, I'll, I will, I'll wait patiently for, for the new one to come out. I will wait patiently. And if it's no Take good, wait. I'll blame you.
1: What else is coming out then?
0: Uh, next up, another album I'm really
3: excited for. There's a new Julianne Baker album coming out. It's called Little Oblivion's Um, If you don't know Julianne Baker, she is one of the members of Boy Genius, along with Phoebe Bridges and Lucy Dacus. Uh, She's also released two solo albums previously. So her first one was very much her with a guitar and occasionally with a piano. And that was kind of it. Second one, she added some strings and some extra stuff, but it was still very much an acoustic, well, a stripped back affair. This one, she's going full band, drums, the whole lot. Uh, it's very exciting. Uh, we were talking about um Jeff Buckley earlier. Uh, Julianne Baker's mentioned that he's been a big influence on her music, and I've heard other people mention that that's a connection that can quite easily be drawn. Mm. So maybe that's something that people in this call might be interested in. Big claim, but I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, that's definitely for me. If you want like a sad album, Julianne Baker's debut "Sprained Ankle" is is
2: fantastic. I think it's likely that I'll listen to like all of their stuff at once.
1: It's <laughs> been on my list for a while. I need to check out.
2: Next up, we've
3: got a new album from Cloud Nothings. If you don't know Cloud Nothings, they're kind of in the same vein as Japan Droids, that kind of big, noisy garage rock type sound. Uh, their new album's called The Shadow I Remember. Um, I don't know if anyone's interested in that.
1: I'm not aware of it, but um, I yeah clearly need to spend more time looking into these different things.
3: I've listened to some of their stuff and they're they're pretty good, but I've never had that like same like visceral reaction that I do to Japan Droids. Where like I, I will put Japan Droids on if I want to get hyped up and Cloud Nothings like I'll listen to on occasion, but not with any regularity. Sure. Next up, we've got a new album by Roosevelt. I don't know if anyone knows him. I saw him mm. uh, and his band uh, support Glass Animals a few years ago while they were touring for uh, how to be a human being. Um, He signed to Greco Roman, which is the label that released like totally enormous extinct dinosaurs album and some other like synth poppy stuff. Joe Goddard solo stuff. Uh, Joe Goddard from hot chip, obviously Uh, his new album is called Polydons. Uh, I've listened to the singles. I'm actually quite happy with them. It's like bright synth pop, Uh, like a very, very much like retro synths and drum machines type sound. Uh, I didn't love his last album, so this feels like a bit of a comeback, like back to the kind of the quality of his first one. Uh, So I'm quite excited about that.
0: His last one was Young young Romance, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, 2019, I think.
0: Yeah, I listened to that one. It was really, really good. Again, it was kind of that, um, it was full on... Um Synthwave stuff, which again, I really, really liked it, but I kinda felt my ear got tired after it after a while. I don't know why. It kinda felt like I don't even know if it was like the instrumentation, but like the production just felt the same. It felt like a really, really um heavy album. It felt as though like there was never no letter, but there was no like quiet moment to like chill out and to rest. But yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious. He's also released an EP, Lovers. Any good?
3: Um is that a recent
0: one? That came out uh, nine days ago. That came out February 12th.
3: So that'll just be a collection of the singles from the album.
0: Because right. you
3: know that they have to get it like that now, so that when you listen to one, you start listening to the others, so that they oh, can get Oh, is that a there. thing? Is that what they do now? I didn't know that. Yeah, was a it's the, the hot new thing. Uh, but yeah, I definitely agree, Tom, where like the last album... It just kind of all blends together a bit, and it it does feel like a bit of a like a slog. Where his debut, I felt like there were standout moments that like really captured me in a way that nothing on the second one did. Uh, so yeah, I'm hopeful for that one. And then last up on my list, we've got a new note, Newtone album. If any of you don't know Newtone, he's a drum and bass producer from Cambridge. He's signed to Hospital Records. Uh, he hasn't released an album since 2014 so it's been a long time coming. His new album's called Little Spaces. Uh, His last album was called Future History, and it was very, very good. It, like, took jungle sounds, but then put this new, like... He used, like, drum machines to make up those old-school kind of loops, which is, like... It was, like, a really unique sound. On this one, it doesn't sound like, from the singles, he's doing anything particularly new. But we'll see i guess hopefully it it, it's interesting but i'm not not holding out hope so thanks for listening to this episode of unmuted unmastered it's been up i think this will be like the first proper episode that goes up so congratulations for making it to the end thanks for listening to the whole thing i feel like we should end on more of a definitive note anyone jump in at any point if you want to
0: (laughs) Yeah, good. You have spent some time doing a thing. Well done, you. Do it again when another one comes out. That's, not a, that's a terrible intro, but I feel like we should use it anyway. <laughs> or binge them all. In a whole block. Binge them all. Binge. Binge them.
1: Oh yeah, what do we have to say? If you have it, you hope that we do something else. I was
3: in another podcast, or we, we you know...
2: Video format next. Go-
1: <laughs>
3: another episode. <laughs> we write a book next week. Thank you, and goodbye. There we go, we've got a good take. I'll just edit <laughs> some of all of that together.
0: I love it. That's literally it. That a goodbye. <laughs>
3: so I'll do the intro and then I'll do the outro and then yeah. We'll
1: classic, proper like bonzo dog <laughs> style
3: <Cool>. oh good
1: <laughs> Wait, <what? laughs> okay, I think it was a bit of a obscure one um, <laughs>
3: I was about to go back into it and I was like, hang on, Jess just said some reference and I took it as
1: oh yeah, that thing, but no <laughs> it's just a song what? called the intro and the outro I'll, I'll send you guys a link, it's a great song <laughs>